Yes, sir. What's up, everybody? Welcome back. This is episode seven, part two of the KO at Convo. If you haven't listened to part one, make sure you go back and listen to that before you hop on here as we continue our conversation with Joe and Alexi. We're going to get right into it, take a quick, quick break, and then here's part two. There's always been a, a huge, uh, huge problem. Well, not really, I would say a problem, but of people not really take it, reading an article and taking in the whole article and looking at your sources and things of that nature, which is why I kind of, this is kind of like a good transition into covering uh, an election cycle where, where misinformation and everything is everywhere. Uh, and Alexi, I know you you were covering down in Hawking County about which is uh, normally a conservative mm-hmm. conservative county. Um, Joe was obviously up here in Columbus, but just real quick, uh, ta- I mean, both of you, if you could just go into what it was like covering this kind of election cycle, especially versus the last election cycle. You know, um, when you have uh, a president who has uh in has for four years obviously been doing his thing where in 2016 it wasn't as apparent and people like oh this guy's actually like saying Mm -hmm. this stuff but anything so i mean alexi i'll just i'll just start with you on that what 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 was it like covering an election of this magnitude well i'll tell you what um first and foremost trump definitely had a presence um way before you know the full presidential election really kicked off, right? When we finally got to see like everyone that was going to be involved in who we were going to pick on, at at least on the Democratic side. But the first, I'll I'll take you back to one of the first big stories that I covered, and it was in Lancaster. I covered uh, Vice President Mike Pence coming to a Magna uh, groundbreaking event. Um, Magna Corporation is this company that makes interior parts for cars and they are based in Ontario, Canada. They are at the time, I don't know if this is happening. Uh, I, at, at the time also I was working for the Perry County Tribune, so I never followed this story up, but, um, because of the Mexico Canada agreement, this company was able to properly finance and distribute resources to come to, uh, Ohio and to build a new facility, which was going to bring somewhere between like 300, 400 jobs. Um, I covered that event. I got to be like, you know, five feet away from this was before COVID. So I was able to be five feet away from the vice president at the time. And, uh, there's just this overwhelming sense of, um, pride for Republicans, I guess that, um, and I'll tell you what, there were a few Republicans that I talked to a few of them, you know, that I've worked with and a few out in the community that said that they weren't going to vote for Trump. And there's definitely a presence of, um, democratic pride as well. But, um, when it comes to misinformation, I just wanted to make sure that everyone knew how to vote. Um, that was a big thing. And a lot of people were worried about, you know, the possibility of like, you know, what if our ballots like don't get counted? So I was writing about stories with the board of elections almost every week, trying to, um, get all the information out there. They were also printing PSAs in our publication. Um, and I also did a PSA for them on my YouTube channel. And, uh, it's, uh, also on my website. I have to put it up, um, actually, so it's not on my website yet, but it, but it will be up. Um, and I, and I just wanted to let people know, like, this is the way to vote. 
This is how it's going to be done. Here's what you have to do. Here's what you have to bring. Here's how you can check if you've mailed it in, you know, that kind of thing. Um, and, but like, you know, when it comes to like a particular candidate, we, well, so my editor wrote a story about how Hawking County voted and overwhelmingly it was Trump. Um, and we actually got a call from the Democratic Party of Hawking County, and they said that they weren't going to advertise with us anymore because they thought it was really one-sided. Um, really, we were just looking at which way people voted, and more more people voted for you know Trump. Um, so, like you know, there's a lot of like touchy stuff that people don't want to read, but at the same time, like I feel like that's us doing our job. Um, and but like when it comes to like particular candidates on the local level, before I moved from the uh, Tribune to the uh, Daily, I covered the arresting of Larry Householder. Um, we actually got a call from the FBI that day that he was being arrested. And I, <laughs> I'm going to incriminate myself right now. I broke so many like traffic laws <laughs> going, going up there because it like, we literally got the call at like 11 and he, his house in Glenford was like 30 minutes away from the office that I was staying at. And, but like his son, and the reason why I brought up Larry Householder, his son was running for County commissioner in this election. And I covered uh, the candidate that was running against him, which uh, was Frank Fondale. He's a Democrat. Uh, I believe uh, Derek Householder won the election uh, for the county commissioner seat. It was Jim O'Brien's position. And um, I like that. I consider that election coverage, even though the election was like eight months out. And you, you kind of sort of have to do that. You have to let people know who the candidates are, what their, what their goals are, what their um, aspirations are, and whether they've been members of the community for a while or if they're someone new. Um, you have to let people know who they are. And the trouble that I ran into, especially when it came to covering the particular candidates with Householder, since I've been covering Larry's, call it what you want, demise situation, whichever way, um, I had to cover his son who was running for county commissioner. And when you look at his records, if you pull them from the Perry County Board of Elections, you'll see that he got $42,000 from interest groups. Uh, these were, these are, um, some have alleged that these come from dark money. So yeah, um, like you just kinda, from a local level, from a local newspaper level, you have to let people know basically where these people are coming from, who they are, but what kinds of stuff they're also involved in. And that's, I never had a chance to interview Derek Householder because he never responded to me. Um, he didn't trust me. And he, he actually talked to another reporter, Doug Clifford, who actually got an interview with him and wrote a really good story for the Tribune. But, you know, that's just, that's just how it is at, at, a, at a local level. And you have to be really touchy-feely with some people because you don't want to piss people off. And I don't want to give people the wrong identity of who I am because I want them to trust me. And I, I want to do what Paul Costu, you, you know, always said is just be fair, you know, like just, just be fair. Like if you don't agree with them, like that's all fine and dandy. You can do that in your own personal time, but just give them, give them a voice. And if people don't agree with them, let the, let the public decide, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I, yeah. This election has just been 
off the charts weird in so many ways, and I can't go into all of them, but Alexi was actually with me in 2016 when um, I went over to the, I, I was at the Democrats. I usually cover the Democrats on election night. It's just been that way for like 20 years. So yeah. I just, you know, continue to do that. Mm -hmm. And so in 2016, we're in this big ballroom and people come in and they're fancy clothes and they're all celebratory and they thought, Hillary Clinton was going to win. I think that was the, the general consensus. And two hours later, you could just feel the life sucked out of that room. People were crying. Um, everyone went over to the Republican headquarters when they found out Trump had won. And, you know, they were having a big party over there. Fast forward to this election. Uh, I'm still covering Democrats, but covering them differently because they're doing far more things from, you know, a COVID safe environment. They're doing a lot of things online, Zoom calls, that sort of thing. Um, and when they did have in-person events, they were spaced, they were distance spaced, you were wearing masks, it was the whole nine yards. Um, on election night, there wasn't a big party. No big parties, nothing like that. Um, they did have one little conference call, and I got in on that. Um, but that was all I had. And it was very difficult the next day to have enough tape to work with because uh, I had to take what I got from the conference call, and it was before we actually knew what was going on with Ohio's vote. Yeah. So, I mean, it was just a very strange situation because normally if I would have been at one of their parties and I wasn't getting what I needed, I would have found someone. There would have been someone there, another person in the party, um, attendees. I would have found color. I would have found all kinds of things to put in there. And, and when you're doing it this way, in a COVID safe way, you're kind of at the mercy of what you can come up with. And um, 11 o'clock, 11.30 at night, people don't want to be called. So by the time we knew what the vote, you know, total was coming into it, um, you know, it was too late to really line up anyone as a backup. So um, it was difficult. Made it work. Made it work because I just rode around what I had. But um, it's much, easy, much easier to cover an election on election night when you're with the people who are involved in that election versus being in front of your computer some at home or wherever. Um, but that being said, I was very grateful, extremely grateful that I didn't have to go out and be in a, an unsafe environment um, to cover. And I know a lot of my colleagues who are in the press, um, they would go to events where uh, people wouldn't be wearing masks, where they would be in close corners, where people would be, you know, uh, doing things that were very COVID unsafe. And uh, they had to deal with that in the name of this job. And I never had to deal with that. So I, I feel very lucky in that way. Um, but it has been so different. Yeah, for sure. And and Joe, I mean, you were you were on the front lines there. You were all the action was on election day, early in the morning at the polling sites. Oh, yeah. What was, what was the uh, atmosphere like over there? I know you. I know you were outside completely because the lines were going. Uh, they were going back and forth and back and forth. But well, overall, as a consensus, what was the atmosphere like at the polling sites you went to? Well, 
I, w I covered the early voting where people voted in person at their board of elections. And it was really strange because I would go down to Franklin County in Columbus and there would be these huge long lines and they'd, they'd actually snake in a big loop, you know, because you couldn't even line people up in a straight line or they'd be off the property. And so, I mean, people were waiting three, four hours to vote down in Franklin County at their early vote center. And I wanted to compare that with Delaware County, where I live, um, to get a feel for how this, there's a, a debate in Ohio about how to uh, conduct elections. And one of the things that they've been looking at is trying to make things equal. So we have like one drop box per county. We have one early voting site per county, okay? In, in Franklin County, that's a three to four hour wait. Um, in Delaware County, I never had to wait. I, I, I would go in there and you could walk right in. I mean, there was no line um, and it was very easy. It, it's just so different, you know, when you've got a county that's got more than a million people in it. And then you've got another county over here that has maybe 150,000 in it. And, you know, you've got your, you have the same resources. It's, it's not equal. But um, on paper, everyone has their own Board of Elections early vote site, and they have their one drop box. There was a big argument about that, legal battles, two court suits over that, and uh, ended up still with one drop box at the, on election day. Um, so anyway, that, the early vote, that's what the early vote looked like. You could see this difference. Then on the day of the election, um, again, we were uh, going out and I didn't go to the Franklin County sites. I had uh, one of my colleagues went to the Franklin County sites. And again, they were busy. Um, they had people lined up, uh, that sort of thing. And they also had all kinds of computer problems in Franklin County. Um, and up in Delaware County, it, you know, I was walking around, you know, outside these polling places and, you know, it was just, it, there were people coming in and going, but they weren't standing in line and they weren't waiting. And, you know, so I think um, we have, uh, we showed in our reporting the difference in the counties and the, and the reason why maybe it's a good thing to look per capita at, you know, at, when you're making these decisions versus, you know, making one size fits all because they're not all the same. That being said, um, the Republican legislature has, uh, and, and we've had a Republican legislature for a long, long time. It's been 10 years, but they have had the chance to make these uh, to add drop boxes. They've had the chance to allow multiple voting sites per county, and um, they have decided not to. So this is a, a conscious decision not to allow that. And I think going forward, uh, now that we've seen the outcome of the election, the Republicans uh, were overwhelmingly reelected in Ohio. And I, I, I don't know that they really have any impetus to change things, even though we've seen the difference in this. So it might end up being 
that we see court cases because a lot of times when you can't get the legislature to do something, lawmakers will go around the legislature and go to court. And I think that it's very possible that at some point in the future, we're going to see more court cases involving this whole issue of what is really equal in in terms of voting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, uh, I do. I do agree that like, I, I think it's also really good to know there's like a lot of great things that you said. And one one thing that I wanted to add is that in this, uh, you know, presidential election, Ohio, for the first time in a while, I don't know how many years, didn't decide who the president was going to be. Yeah. And and I think that that also, you know, shows um, some myths that maybe we already thought were going to happen, you know, like Ohio was going to pick the president, but that didn't happen. Mm-hmm. And and so, yeah, like. I do. I do agree. And one of the things I wanted to say was I voted on election day uh, here in Franklin County and I voted at this uh, church just seven minutes down the road from me. I stood in line for like maybe an hour and a half, maybe two hours. Um, And that was in the morning and I had to cover the election at night, which I thought we were going to find out by the end. But I didn't account for all the mail-in ballots that yeah. Pennsylvania, for some reason, didn't want to count on the night of election. <laughs> um, but they weren't allowed yeah. to actually. Well, uh, yeah, yeah. They they didn't have the workforce. That's what I was. That's um, what I read. Well, the republic. There was also a a um, provision that was brought before the Republican legislature that would have allowed them to go ahead and process the ballots during the day. That's what Ohio does. When Ohio gets a mail-in ballot, um, they go ahead and they check the signature. They check to make sure all the information's there. They check to see if the envelope was, was correct. And then when they determine that all that's right, they process it and not tabulate it, but they process it. They set it aside, they, they feed it into the machine, and they, they, it's there, okay, and it's done. So that when it comes 7.30 at night, all they have to do is flip a switch and it immediately starts tabulating all those results. You're not going through the manually feeding it in. Yeah. And they weren't allowed in Pennsylvania to even start opening the envelopes until after the polls closed, which is wow. really silly. That's why <laughs> it took days to, to do that. And I I actually tweeted about that. I, I wanted people to see that, hey, you know, Ohio does have something. You know, we a lot of times we hear so much criticism about Ohio in the national media and how we do all these things wrong. Well, that's one place where maybe we do it right if you're wanting to get accurate results quickly. Yeah, yeah. you got. I mean, Nevada took forever too. Out of all yeah. states, Nevada. Who would have thought Nevada would have? Uh, they were too busy gambling. They were too yeah. busy gambling. <laughs> they were trying to bet on what the numbers were going to be. <laughs> Honestly, I, can't, I swear to God, I looked on Google and it said 75% for like three days straight. And I was like, yeah. oh my God, this is, yeah. is going to be uh, an example. Lexi, go ahead. Sorry. Oh, no, I was I was just going to say that, you know, Frank, Frank LaRose, there were a few things that I questioned him on in terms of like, you know, was this the best way to handle this? Um but at the same time, Ohio does have some innovations when it comes to voting, um, what Joe just mentioned before, and the the uh, ability to, you know, I, I, I think Ohio has a really robust system of voting. It's way different than New York when I first voted um, when I was 18. And, you know, w- when I voted in Delaware County, I changed my 
residency and I was in, like I said, Delaware, I, I went there and I just, I just wrote my signature out. They just said, Hey, just write your signature. They checked it. And they said that it didn't look like the original signature that I wrote. And like, they like tried to like say like, Oh, do you have two pieces of mail with you? So I had to go back to my apartment, come back and so there's like, there's like a robust like system and like people do take their jobs really seriously, Republicans and Democrats, like they both take that, like that job for the BOEs really seriously. And for people that criticize, you know, I don't know if this, this hasn't happened in Hawking County and, and I don't know uh, if this has happened in Ohio at all, but the people that are criticizing the uh, ethical value of people who work at the board of elections, not doing their jobs properly. Um, I would tell them to just talk to them on like not an election year and see what like those people are like because they sacrifice a lot just for I think that they're true patriots really because that's that's what this country is about it's about democracy and letting your voices be heard and I think the people that support other people's endeavors to do that is very patriotic so yeah, I did too I, I, I agree with that yeah, yeah. Um, so uh, going completely off topic kind of ending on a, on a sad note here because Alexi did bring it up because I forgot it but um, you know uh, so uh, someone who's all about the facts uh, Alex Trebek did did pass away uh, recently and I uh, saw his executive producer post a post a video on how somber he was and things of that nature. I mean, just rest in peace. I mean, he was an all time great host without a shadow of a doubt. Mm-hmm. Well, I think that this year has just been really crappy to our idols, really. Um, Bilbo Baggins, the original Bilbo Baggins, you know, he passed away. Um, Kobe obviously passed away. There was there was just so much in this year. We've lost so many great minds and so many great people, and and that adds to the the feeling that we're all experiencing. And I think if 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 you can comfortably say that you have lived your best life in 2020, um, I want to I want to see what the rest of your years look like because um, because this year is just. Yeah. Like, like it's just bad news, right? Like one right after the other, we had killer bees coming at one point, whatever happened to those. Um, Oh, and it was, I think that also happened like the early two thousands. People were worried about Africanized bees. It, it always comes up. People are worried about insects invading the United States. (laughs) They're already here. But anyway, um, yeah, like this, this entire year it's, and one of the things that I wanted to bring up adding on to how troubling it is for me to cover stuff at a local level, you know, I don't write about the planes that land. That's a thing that TC always said in, you know, journalism 110. Um, and so a lot of the stories that I write about, I mean, there's like, I've written two to three stories in one day and they've not been good. All of them, all of them have involved someone dying. And sometimes it's drug overdoses. Sometimes it's, um, they're dealing in front of a kid. Sometimes it's like a bad car accident. And, you know, like I'm trying to write more about good stuff nowadays, but with, with Alex Trebek, um, you know, it's just another, another tally in the L column. And it, and it really doesn't, um, I don't think this year, I think, I think historians are going to look at this year and just talk about all of the terrible things that have happened and the people that we lost along the way. Cause it's, I mean, there was a huge Broadway actor who passed away from COVID-19. He was, he was not elderly. He was like in his forties and people were just distraught. My mom was distraught. She, she works on Broadway and off Broadway, but she knew him personally. And 
Like there's, there's just so much that adds to this overwhelming despair that we're all experiencing and mm-hmm. drug overdoses and suicides have gone up. So I hope that, you know, people find a way to take care of themselves. I think this is a year of um, taking care of yourself and taking care of those around you as well. Tell, tell people that you love them, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And I think when uh, um, you mentioned actors and immediately thought of Chadwick Boseman too, the oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Forget Black Panther. Yeah. I, I uh, remember him posting a, uh, posting a video and his, his face was super skinny and uh, mm-hmm. everyone was like, Oh my God, he looks terrible. What's going on with him? All the stuff and deep down, you know? Mm-hmm. So, so back, back to your point. Yeah. Definitely ch- check in on your friends, check in on your family, you know, the, the people that are look the strongest on the outside could also, to be the most vulnerable on the inside so and it's never and it's never too late to ask for help you know i mean with uh today's day and age and technology you know there's plenty of ways that you don't even have to leave your home and i know that with depression a lot of people feel like that they can't like leave their home because it's so comfortable and going outside just really just creates a a lot of anxiety but betterhelp.com i've used it i'm still using it i think that's a great tool for people um I hope that they'll give me a sponsorship one day because I use their service. But, uh, you know, I, I, I think that you, you, you do need to take care of yourself. And with Chadwick Boseman, you know, what was really interesting about that was that his PR team really hid the fact that he was sick. Like they were they played it off as him getting ready for another role. Meanwhile, we, we didn't know he was dying from cancer. So it, was just, it just made that whole story even more gut wrenching, in my opinion. Yeah. yeah. We've lost, uh, we've lost personal friends. Uh, Roger's brother uh, was sick with COVID. We've, we've lost uh, friends with cancer and COVID this year. Um, and it's been difficult, you know, and um, even the, the people who've recovered from COVID, it's, it's not the same. It's not the flu. Anyone who tells you it's the flu, they're full of crap. Yeah. Um, it's, you know, really, it's, this has been a tough year for everyone, I, I think you're hard pressed to find anyone that um, doesn't have something they can point to that, you know, really bummed them out. It really has them down. So I'm hoping that as we go into next year, um, hopefully things will get better. We're seeing signs already that there might be a vaccine. Maybe in two or three months, we can go get a couple of shots and we'll be ready to go out and do what we used to do and hang out and, you know, whatever. I, I just, I, I'm, I'm so hopeful for that because I really would love to see us get back to normal. But at the same time, I'm kind of grateful because I think that we have learned a lot and we've come a long way. And I don't think we're ever going to look at some things the same again. And sometimes you just need that, you know? Yeah, exactly. Well, Joe Ingalls and Alexi, uh, uh, gosh, it's so great seeing you, seeing your faces again. And, and great to talk to you. And great, great to be here and great to have a platform, another platform to speak on, you know, follow my podcast. <laughs> Don't worry, Alexia, I'll, I'll put it in the outro for you. Just, I gotcha. I gotcha. Just, uh, but yeah, thank you both for coming on the uh, KO Conro today. I really appreciate it. Thank you for having me. Hey, thanks again for tuning in today. I hope you enjoyed both parts of Joe and Alexi's appearance on the KO Convo. If you want to find out more about them, you can look Joe up on Twitter and follow her journalistic journey at Joe Ingalls. 
all lowercase, no space. And Alexi actually does have his own podcast. It's called So About Last Week with Alexi Pavlov. I've actually had the honor of being a guest on that podcast. So definitely go check that out. It's on SoundCloud. Hope you have a great rest of your day wherever you may be listening from. And I'll see you on the next episode. Immersive music. Take us home.